Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One man. Goodbye. Hello, husband. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Everybody, welcome back to the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, joined with Garrett Turney today. Trey Reeves, a little under the weather today, sitting this one out. Uh, but guys, we've got a fun episode for you. I know I can hear the Notre Dame listeners screaming. Finally, it is our moment <laughs> in the sun. We have finished the Power Five previews. We are on to Notre Dame. BYU will be covered in the next episode, and then the group of five schools. Today, Garrett, we are doing the American and the Sunbelt Funbelt, uh, Sun I should say. We will do uh, Conference USA and the Mountain West in the next episode. And if you're paying attention, you realize, well, there's one group of five conference left over. Mac fans, hashtag Maction, do not fret. We've got a special episode coming all about the Mac on Friday with some special guests, so stay tuned for that. Best way you can stay tuned, heading over to our social media, Instagram, Twitter, at 3TechPod. If you're not following us, please drop us a follow. We are getting very close to 100 followers on both of those platforms and uh, just representing another milestone for us. Garrett, of course, over the weekend, we hit our first real true milestone as a podcast. A thousand listeners have, uh, have passed through these airwaves Big shout out to all of you guys. I know, you know, for me, it means a lot. You and, and, and Trey as well have, have really enjoyed this process. A thousand listens, dude, is pretty cool. Yeah, no, I mean, when we put this thing together, we talked about it last spring a lot and started figuring out what we wanted to do. And, you know, it was kind of just, a, you know, we've said it a, several times. It's a passion project. We kind of just like doing it. We like talking college football. But, you know, hitting a thousand listens is pretty cool. Um, honestly, didn't think we would get to a thousand this quickly. Um, and so I'm, I'm super grateful for everyone who's been listening, super grateful for uh, the people who keep coming back, especially. So, uh, you know, thanks for doing this with us. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to share this with you guys. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, just started this basically at the end of May. So, yeah, the uh, the the rate at which we've grown has been astonishing and we absolutely love it. So, again, if you want to stay up to date with all the things that uh, that we tweet out, that we post, Trey's doing some amazing graphics. Garrett's in charge of the video content. Uh, and then I'm mostly just quipping around things on Twitter and talking to different <laughs> fan bases. So if you want to be in that conversation, follow part. us at 3TechPod. Uh, Garrett, of course, this is uh, fall scrimmage season, kind of peak fall camp content. Uh, it seems like everybody is firmly on the block that my team is the best. My rival sucks. They are going to go 0-12. It's, it's a very unique time in Twitter. 
No, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen that their quarterback was just spinning it. They've never seen anyone throw such great passes. The touch on the deep balls, wonderful catches by the receivers. And <laughs> your rivals team, they had a scrimmage and the, both their quarterbacks threw five pick sixes each and it was just terrible. So, you know, it's 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 that point of the, the preseason where we're starting to get through fall camps and everyone's just jarring back and forth about, no, my guy's better, no, my guy's better. And you just hear all yeah. that. So it's a fun time. It's, you know, I'm ready for talking season to be over and for oh, some to start settling this on the field. But, you know, there is a place for talking season and, you know, enjoy it while it's here. And it's right here on this podcast. But at the same time, oh, yeah. we are very ready to start breaking down actual games instead of previews. Uh, as I say that, though, two more previews left in the bag. And here, let's go ahead and dive headlong into this ton of content to cover in this episode. You've got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish should be a very, very interesting team to watch this season. Right, yeah. So the first of the two independents we're doing, we're talking Notre Dame. And look, most of the time when you lose the winningest coach in program history because some traditional power program hires him away from you, the next guy, you've got managed expectations, right? You say, okay, nobody really expects too highly of him. You know, the fans are going to miss the last guy. You're just kind of hoping this new guy does okay. Very different scene in South Bend. Uh, look, Marcus Freeman is coming in. He's almost a god amongst men in South Bend, depending who you ask. Um, when Brian Kelly left for LSU, it left a really bad taste in the mouths of almost everyone related to the Notre Dame football uh, program, which is why Marcus Freeman's confidence, that tough mindset, talking about how we're going to work hard every day, we're going to outwork everybody else, and some of his outright swagger. Look, nobody dresses better than this guy at the D1 level. He's he's kind of got it going on. It's been a breath of fresh air to the Irish. Um, there was some disappointment to end last year. Obviously, they blew that huge lead to uh, the uh, Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. So, you know, kind of bouncing back from that, you're kind of wondering, you know, how is it going to go with the program? How is it going to go with the culture? But look, they made some huge waves on the recruiting trail this offseason. Lots of excitement around the program. Uh, there's a huge spring game attendance. I think I saw something like the biggest spring game attendance since Jimmy Clausen's freshman year. So oh lots of excitement around the program. Um, look, the sights are set pretty high for the Irish this year. Uh, no tempered expectations here. Uh, huge help looking offensively is going to be third-year offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. He helped Notre Dame to the 19th best scoring offense last year with 35.8 points per game. They weren't particularly efficient last year in the run game. I'll get to that in a minute, but they only finished 83rd nationally when it came to rushing yards per game. Um, but one thing they were really good at was efficiency when they finished drives. They were 10th in the country in finishing drives. So, look, they were really efficient when it came to actually scoring when they got down there. But they're going to look to be a lot more explosive this year um, with a good base to kind of work from. A huge X factor for how this is going to happen, though, is going to be starting quarterback Tyler Buckner. He's kind of the new TB12 up there. So um, there's a lot of you know excitement around what he could possibly bring to the table. Uh, Buckner flashed in very limited opportunities last year, though he does turn the ball over a little bit. So he's going to need to do that less uh, as they start to kind of break out this offense a little bit more. Uh, getting a full offseason working in a starter's role, you know, and kind of competing for that, having to get better, um, that should have given him a lot of confidence. That should have progressed him a lot more. Uh, and so I'm expecting him to have a really good chance to give the Irish uh, an opportunity to win some games uh, as a sophomore. Uh, I just said that Notre Dame wasn't particularly efficient running the ball. What I mean by that is that Kyron Williams was almost the entire rushing offense last year. Buckner actually finished second in rushing yards for them, so kind of an interesting stat there. Um, he was phenomenal 
last year. And he's going to be a great contributor this year as well. He's just going to be doing it wearing a Rams helmet. So replacing him is going to be (laughs) a really tough thing and probably one of the more important things that Notre Dame has to figure out. Uh, Logan Diggs was looking to be one of those guys. He had a torn labrum in the spring, and so he's kind of recovering from that. uh, And he's going to kind of have to keep coming along uh, before he can expect to really contribute. He's going to have to go through some practices to get ready to be game ready. Um, Chris Tyree, he's a speedy option. He's probably going to carry most of the load in Diggs' absence. Uh, Look, depending on when Diggs comes back, they could be a really good one-two Uh, But we're going to have to wait and see what they can do as leads in that backfield. And we're going to have to wait and see when Diggs even can come back in the first place. Uh, The wide receiver room, it took a massive hit recently, I think within the last day or so. Avery Davis tore his ACL again. Uh, I'm just gutted for the guy. You know, good guy, you know, kind of a leader within the locker room. Just tough to see a guy go down like that. Uh, But what that means for the pass catchers is your primary guys are going to be Lorenzo Styles. He's projected to be pretty good. Hasn't necessarily shown it that much yet, but lots of talent there. Uh, Braden Lindsey, he's been inconsistent in his stint. He'll be a senior this year, though, so he should hopefully be able to put together a good season. And then they have one of the best tight ends in the nation, Michael Meyer. Um, Look, they're going to be able to pass the ball, but explosiveness is the thing that they're going to probably have to get from the X's and O's and not the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Go ahead, roll credits. Um, (laughs) And so that's what we're looking at offensively. Yeah, when I look at this offense, I think you hit the nail on the head. They've got to find a way to be explosive because I didn't think of Notre Dame as, you know, a top offense last year, but I mean the numbers speak for themselves. But Garrett, their front or their first four games are not like conducive to getting an offensive explosion rolling at Ohio State, Marshall, Cal, at North Carolina that also just lost their starting running back um as well to injury. So if, if TB12 can get on a roll and they can find their running game, I think they could be really, really impressive this season. You're going to get to your projection for them in, in the defense here in a second, but just how, how likely do you think it is that they kind of find that form early on in the first four games? They might have to. Like, they may not really have much of a choice. I mean, they go to Ohio State to start the year, that's just throwing someone into the fire, you know, so they might, you know, blink and be down 28, nothing, you know, going into halftime. I'm not saying I think this is what's going to happen, but yeah. that's a very likely possibility that Ohio to State make it happen. comes out angry, right? Yeah. They had a rough year last year, which we already talked about, but you know, I think that there's a decent chance they come out down, but at that point, look, if you're down by a bunch, you're playing with house money, get your offense, right? You know, take some shots. Who cares if you throw a pick? You're down a bunch of points. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that could be that. And then you might see them start to take that attitude of slinging it around, trying some stuff, and, and maybe some success as well. I mean, keeping it close, even in a loss, could give you the confidence to say, you know what, we did some stuff really well, so let's go ahead, go back out there, and take these next couple of games, take a few good steps. Uh, I don't think it'll be a great start as far as week one goes, but their offense could get off to a really, really good start with some of those next games. Mm-hmm. As far as the defense goes, that's what Marcus Freeman's known for. It's what traditionally Notre Dame is known for. How do you like the Fighting Irish uh, on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, so defensively, they're bringing in a new DC. They got Al Golden. He's coming in from the NFL. He was with the Bengals for a little bit. And Freeman's talked about how he'll just enjoy sitting in the room, just hearing what he has to say. So. Lots of experience, lots of knowledge. He's called him a genius. So, you know, lots of praise for Al Golden and what he's bringing to this uh, to this team uh, as he comes on staff. 
he inherits a really good group. Last year, they were the 15th scoring defense. Uh, they gave up only 19.7 points per game against them. So um, pretty good job for them. They weren't fantastic in their past defense, but they made up for it in a lot of other categories, including turnovers. Um, there's going to be talent at each level of the defense, but he's going to be replacing some really good players as well. Um, on the defensive line, Isaiah Foskey, he's a star. He's probably going to be the best player on this defense. He had 11 sacks in 2021, and I think he's going to improve on that this year. He's going to get focused a little bit, but they have enough talent across that line that should help him free up for a couple of better opportunities. Uh, Jason Adamilola. It's a tough last Nailed name. Nailed it. Uh, Jason, <laughs> he'll be disruptive in the middle. He, he's about as good as anybody in the middle of the line. Um, I mean, they might just be trying to read the back of his jersey and they get confused. Um, but no, he's he's good at clogging up holes. He's good at, you know, just kind of sitting there uh, taking up blockers. And so he'll be really good in the middle. They also have Jacob Lacey, Riley Mills. They project as the other starters uh, on that defensive line. There's plenty of talent behind them as well that should be able to rotate in. Um, and so I think they'll be really good on the line of scrimmage there. The linebacker core, pretty fantastic as well. Bo Bauer is stepping up from special teams. People have raved about his ability. They have Maris Liu Fao. He's coming back from an injury. He was, you know, highly touted going in as well. Just, you know, got injured, lost his season last year. Uh, and then Jack Kaiser, he's kind of the leader in that room. Uh, he consistently plays just kind of out of his mind, given his measurables. You know, when you look at him, he doesn't look like he's going to be a star athlete. He doesn't look like he's going to be that guy, but he is absolutely that guy. <laughs> you know, he gets crazy production. Um, I think he led the team in tackles last year. So really, really solid for him. The DBs are going to be a little bit more of a question mark. Kyle Hamilton, obviously, he's going to be showing out for the Ravens this year. So replacing him, huge task. Uh, they got Ramon Henderson. He's going to be doing this on the back end, as well as actually All-American transfer Brandon Joseph. He's coming over from Northwestern. Should help replace that productivity. Um, obviously, tall task to replace Kyle Hamilton, but you might as well bring in an All-American to do it. Mm -hmm. um, the corners should be fine. Cam Hart's coming back. He's going to be joined by Tariq Bracey on the other side. So, look, I mean, this defense is the strength of this team. Um, they're going to be really good on defense. The question that I have really is, given some of the teams on their schedule who I think are going to have some potent offenses, how good will this defense look on paper, and are they going to be good enough to give their offense a chance to stay in some of these games? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if that secondary can hold up, it seems like that defensive line is is strong. The linebackers are going to do their job. It, it truly will come down to can teams, these explosive offenses. You know, what does C.J. Stroud do in week one? Does right. he set the tone for kind of the rest of the season? And, and projecting forward a season from week one is is not necessarily fair, but a lot of new pieces back there. And Marcus Freeman, not only just controlling the defense or being responsible for the defense, but now as the head coach, it's a different dynamic. So the guys are going to play hard for him. You look at their floor ceiling, that that schedule that we talked about, where, where do you have Notre Dame finishing out this season? Yeah, so uh, their line according to Bet Online, that's eight and a half. Um, I do think they go over despite a really tough schedule. Um, I think you could be looking at maybe 10-2 and two with an opening loss to Ohio State, one of those you know Clemson USC's. I think they split those. Um, but I think this team could have plenty of momentum going into that last stretch of the season, which could end up giving them uh, maybe an 11-1 and one in year one. Which, And I want to be clear, I do think they lose the first game. And I think you're going to see a lot of storylines around that saying, you know, Marcus Freeman's in over his head, Notre Dame's wash, you know, this team's overrated. That's going to be preemptive, right? I think that's just going to be preemptive. You're going to see 
a team that just got everything put together. It's brand new staff, brand new players, and they're going to have a lot of gelling to do, right? I think as they start to go along in the season, they're just going to have that one loss and they're going to have to climb back up from that. So look, if they get lucky, they could spring the upset week one, maybe catch Ohio State sleeping. I don't think that happens, just to be clear. Uh, but yeah, no, eight and a half, slam the over on that one. I think they go 10 and two, maybe 11 and one. It's really hard for me to see nine and three. That that does feel suspiciously low for eight and a half. Uh, and it's one of those lines that makes me go, what does Vegas know that we don't? They have a tough schedule. There's no doubt about it. I mean, BYU in Vegas, um, you know, Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse, kind of in the middle of their schedule is is definitely an easier stretch. But then uh, they, they host Clemson, Boston College at home late in the season, and they've got to go to L.A. to play the Trojans. So certainly a couple of, of landmine games. You know, I had the California preview earlier. If this defense for the Golden Bears finds a way to to really harass Buckner and, and you know, that, that offense, Jake Plummer, can find a way to throw the ball against against this secondary. Who knows? Maybe the Cal Golden Bears give them a scare. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I don't think that they're a playoff team here in year one under Marcus Freeman, but I think it's Not a very, either. very good foundation with which to, to build his legacy um, there in South Bend. So Notre Dame fans, a lot to be excited about. Uh, I, I love the hire. I love staying in-house. Marcus Freeman's an, a, an absolute legend already. Yeah, they'll I be back we, on top soon. Yeah, I think you guys are going to have a lot to look forward to going forward. Now, Notre Dame out of the way. We'll, I, like I said, we, we'll get to BYU in the next episode. We've got the American Athletic Conference and the Sun Belt Fun Belt coming up. Uh, and I prepped out the AAC. So, Garrett, how we're going to do this is we're going to break this up into three categories. The front runners, the midfield, which shout out uh, F1 fans, and then the there is always next year group. Uh, and so the, the, the plan with this is to move through these teams relatively quickly just so that we get through all of them in due time. Uh, so, you know, if you're expecting the in-depth, hey, this third string defensive lineman could make – uh, you know, an impact, you're, you're maybe not in the right place, or you can tweet us at 3TechPod and we'll answer your questions. Um, but Garrett, let's do this. Front runners for the American, I've got tabbed as Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. Cincinnati, of course, the reigning conference champion, went 13-1 and last year, made it to the Cotton Bowl in the playoff against Alabama, the first group of five team ever to do that. Yep, Luke Fickle, who stays with Cincinnati and – seems to be very content there as he leads Cincinnati into the the new look Big 12 in 2023. He's 48 and 15 there. He's building a true Power 5 program even before they've gotten into the Big 12. So already, I mean the the sky's the limit for Cincinnati. Now and, and not a whole lot of those losses recently either. That 48 and right. 15, a bunch of those losses were at the beginning. So. Right. When he's building and and you know, he he's truly built this program on the backs of two and three stars. Development has been the name of the game, which right. I think is very, very cool to see it kind of that second tier of college football programs, truly taking what is available. And Ohio's a talent rich state, the Midwest talent rich region. But he has been tasked with developing these kids, and he's done one of the best jobs in the country. Now, the the issue is, the reality is for Cincinnati, basically all your leaders from last year that led you to that playoff, they're gone. 
right? Yeah. Desmond Ritter, uh-huh. gone. The, the receiving and, and rushing leaders, gone. Uh, Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant at cornerback, gone. So <laughs> Cincinnati's kind of starting over. Now, the, the good news is the offensive line is entirely back across all five, that including helps. three all-conference starters. Um, you've got Corey Kiner, who transfers in from LSU to lead the running backs. Uh, and then at the quarterback spot, you've got a two-way battle between returner Ben Bryant, who was, I believe, the highest-rated quarterback recruit that Cincinnati has had under Luke Fickle so far. And then Evan Prater comes in over from the factory over at East Michigan um, to, to compete. So from what I've heard, it seems like Ben Bryant's going to win that. He's more familiar with the offense, the playbook, as a returner. Uh, no starting quarterback, though, has been named as we're right. two weeks into fall camp. So keep an eye on that. The schedule, though, is fairly easy for Cincinnati. I just wonder if they have enough kind of boom in in the in the system to play at a even a conference championship level. So tough opener. They've got Arkansas week one. They host Indiana week four, which I don't think either of us are very high on the Hoosiers, but still no. maybe a tricky matchup. But then you get into the conference schedule, and it's it's fairly easy. I, I can definitely see where Cincinnati kind of runs through this conference schedule. Tricky spot is after the bye, though. Weeks eight and nine, they go to SMU and then to UCF. So yeah. I, I think their season's really going to be defined right there after that bye week. If they come out hot, they find a way to beat SMU, uh, which is going to be a strong team. We'll get to them in just a minute. And then UCF, which, uh, spoiler alert, they're one of my favorite picks in the conference. I think that they're going to go to the conference championship game this year. I, I could see them making a return to the AAC championship game, but I don't feel like I'm that far off maybe knocking them down a peg. I've got them at 9-3. and three. No, yeah, I think they're going to take a bit of a step back. Coming out of the bye, I don't think they win both those games, SMU and UCF. Yeah. I just I can't see how they win both. Splitting, I think, would be fairly successful. If they find a way to win both, that's cool. Um, and I also just I don't think it solidifies enough for that week one against Arkansas. And it's in Fayetteville, too. And you know those fans right. coming off a huge season. Right. They're going to fill that place up. It's going to be rowdy. So, um, yeah, I just I think they got two losses right there. You know, go through the rest of the schedule. I could see them going ten and two. I think that's super possible. Um, but yeah, I just I don't. I'm not there with him yet. Like you were saying, developing the talent is fantastic. He's done a great job developing talent, mm-hmm. but a lot of that's just going to be in game reps, learning how to do things the right way. These guys don't have the in game reps yet. They'll they'll probably be great next year, but I just I don't think they're there this year. Yeah, I think they could make a splash in the new look Big 12, Certainly, along yeah. with their two other championship rivals right now, Houston and UCF, that we can talk yeah. about right now. The Cougars are my predict, uh, prediction to win the, the conference championship this year. I am all aboard the Clayton Toon yeah, hype yeah. train, Looney for Toons. Uh, I, I absolutely love what Dana Holgerson has <laughs> uh, down there in Houston right now. They could could have run the table last season if it weren't for just a weird comeback loss at the hands of Texas Tech in the opener last season. Of course, their only other loss in the season en route to a 12-2 and season was that championship game against Cincinnati, which they were right, right in the thick of things. It was 14-13 at half, and then they lay an absolute egg in the third quarter. They gave up 21 unanswered and just never, never fought back in. Uh, the case for Houston this year... And you're going to see a lot of people not only predicting them to run the table, win the conference championship, but also be the dark horse playoff contender. 
and it's yeah. it's for this reason. It's everybody's back pretty much from from last season. The the returning production is I think top thirty in the country. And like I said, they're they're led by Clayton Tunick, quarterback, thirty five hundred yards last season. He's got all the skill, position, talent all around him. Uh, Nathaniel Dell, top receiver from last season, he's back. He had over thirteen hundred yards receiving a season ago. Plus, they've got transfers in from USC, Oklahoma, Texas Tech uh, at running back and wide receiver that I wrote literally make this offense candy land for, for Dana Holgerson. I mean, this is truly an offensive tactician's dream. And I, I think the Cougars are going to be really, really good. Now, defensively, they do lose all-conference interior pass rusher Logan Hall. They lose their two leading corners from a season ago. But the edge rushers are expected to, to really give – American quarterbacks just fits this season. Um, loaded room of returners in the secondary as well. Javarius Owens is an All-American candidate who comes back for them. Uh, now, I will say, as far as the record goes, potentially tricky start to the season. They go to UTSA, to Texas Tech to open up the season, and I, I would not be shocked if they drop one of those games. But I, I will say, beyond that, I don't think there's a game that they shouldn't be favored in. Um, it, it does feel like they're always on the road this season before they come home to play Kansas Rice and Tulane. Those are their first three home games. They're also on the road against SMU and ECU late, but, and this is crucial, they avoid UCF and Cincinnati in the regular season. So depending on how you feel about the rest of the conference, you miss the top two other teams a very difficult start to non-conference play. But if you can avoid that, maybe only drop one of those games, I think this is an 11-1 program rolling into conference championship week against whether you think it's Cincinnati or UCF. Yeah, no, and I think, I mean, your nails on that, missing UCF and Cincinnati is the biggest story for them, right? I mean, look, that game against Tech, Tech's kind of a similar story to where Arkansas was, maybe a little bit muted, but they're excited about the program. Lots to talk about. They're going to be, you know, rowdy. <laughs> Lubbock is not a fun place to play. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's not fun for opposing teams. But I mean, you know, I, I think they'll be good. One of the biggest things I talk about all the time when we've been doing these previews is if you're bringing back a quarterback, I think that's massive points in your favor. I think bringing back any experience in college football at the quarterback position is always a plus. And when you got a guy like Toon, I mean, that's just that that's invaluable. He's so talented. He's going to be, you know, probably a, a, you know, you could see depending on how his numbers go, he could be on the outside looking in for the, you know, quarterback trophy this year. And uh, man, I just think they're going to be really good this year. I also have them at 11 and one thinking about, you know, a possible, you know, outside shot at a playoff. Uh, they're going to have to be undefeated to make it, obviously. Sure, but sure. I think we could be talking about a team with an outside shot at a playoff going into conference championship weekend. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the final front runner, UCF. The bounce house, it's it's going to be lit this year. I'm Ooh. telling you what, Gus Malzahn. Now, you look at the record last season, 9-4, and four, and, and you think, why on earth are you so high on UCF? Well, my friend, let me tell you. First of all, Dylan Gabriel went down for the season in the third game of the year against Louisville. That was a weird road spot. I, I think it was on a Thursday night. I remember watching that game. Uh, UCF just did not look in sync offensively. Louisville beats them. Uh, Dylan Gabriel gets lost for the season on a freak, you know, Hail Mary final play of the game, gets absolutely pulverized. Yeah. Suddenly it's Mikey Keenan at quarterback for the rest of the year. Um, additionally, 
They had some bad losses on that schedule. Inexplicable loss to Navy. They get blown out against Cincinnati and SMU. And it really felt like this team underachieved last season until they go in to the Gasparilla Bowl and beat in-state rival Florida for the first time ever in program history. So suddenly UCF takes all this momentum into the offseason. They're the, quote, best team in the state of Florida. And I'm telling you what, that bounce house this season, it's going to be an electric factory. Quarterback, two-way battle, Mikey Keene's the returner, but also John Reese Plumley transfers in from Ole Miss. He's going to play both uh, football and baseball for them. And I, I don't know if, if Plumley's the answer at quarterback as a passer, but as an athlete and as a guy who can be dynamic, I would love to see him get a shot. Now, maybe Keene, as, as just, like I said, a field general is, is the better option. I don't think you have a bad choice if you're Gus Malzahn at quarterback. So I'm excited to see what they do there. Loaded at skill position. Ryan O'Keefe, he's a local kid here from Texas, back at wide receiver, was the leading guy a season ago. And then they've also got reliable options in the backfield. Isaiah Bowser comes back. He's really, really good at the power running game. I think he's going to give UCF a lot of versatility on offense this year and give whoever wins that quarterback battle a balanced attack. It's not just going to have to all be through the air. Now, the line should be solid. They've got three returners plus a transfer from Virginia to build on. So I I like what they bring back uh, up front. The defense returns most of its production from last season, and I love this pickup. They added former five-star linebacker Brandon Jennings, who, if uh, if you heard our Kansas State preview, we talked about him. I think we also talked about him with Maryland. Former five-star linebacker committed to Mike Loxley, didn't love the fit there, transferred to Kansas State. He was there for like three months, literally did not participate in anything on the field for Kansas State, decides, nope, this isn't the fit. I'm going to Central Florida, and now he's with the Knights. So I love bringing him in, huge skill, need to get the potential out of him. Their schedule, and this is why I have UCF going 12-0, and wonderfully home-loaded this season. I mean, it feels like every big game they get in their own zip code. Louisville. Now, Trey and I have talked about, and we've actually talked about this in in pre-show meetings too, creating some sort of ledger, some sort of three-tech sports book where each week we kind of wager, you know, what have you against each other. And I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a game that you and I bet against each other. I am 100% on August the 14th, day of recording this, taking the Knights to upset, upset, quote-unquote, Louisville in this game at the Bounce House. I love (laughs) the spot. I love the confidence. I'm going to go ahead and pick UCF to win this game. So that would be a huge uh, boost for them early. They host Georgia Tech. They host SMU and Cincinnati. They avoid Houston on the schedule entirely. And really, they're only tough road games. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, East Carolina and Memphis. Those are the toughest games all season long that play on the road. I mean, I I don't feel like you really have to squint to get them to 12-0. Assuming everything goes well, assuming they beat Louisville, I mean, this should be an undefeated team. Uh, Yeah, I mean, to get them to 12-0, you got to squint enough to not see Louisville on the schedule. But, you know, that's that's just a place we'll talk about later. That's why why we're going to bet it together. Exactly, exactly. Um. No, yeah, but I mean, this should be a really good team. One of the things that I think when you look into the stats, you got to see is this team, they had the 66th overall offense in terms of, you know, yardage per game, 
but that broke down into 28th ranked in rushing and 91st ranked in passing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're they're a solid offense. This offense should be a lot better when they get somebody who can play quarterback back there. Yeah. I think Plumlee is going to be just a an absolute shot in the arm for them. Uh, obviously, maybe not the best passer in the world, but you get a dual threat guy. You get a guy who can really run it's going to open some things up for you um, around the field. So Mm -hmm. this is a dangerous team, man. You're not going to be able to just look at UCF and say, okay, maybe an out-of-conference opponent, something like that. Louisville's going to have to take them seriously. You know, I I think they will, but they're going to have to take them seriously. I think 11-1 and is right there on the table, and, you know, it could be a real fun conference championship game with maybe a UCF and a Houston. That would be really fun. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait for that week. I think that's going to be, that might be, and I don't really remember what the rest of the, the schedule looks like, but early, early season, non-conference matchup. I am, I'm absolutely watching that one for sure. That's a fun one. All right. Well, let's get to the midfield here in several teams, SMU, ECU, Memphis, Tulsa are those teams that I've kind of identified. Let's start here in Dallas with quote, Dallas's team. SMU's undergone this massive rebrand. Brett Lashley comes in at head uh, head coach after Sonny Dykes leaves for TCU. Um, I think Lashley's going to make some noise here in year one. They're not a team that's going to challenge, I don't believe, for the conference championship, and we'll get to that in just a second. But this team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. They've got an explosive offense. I think that's what's going to be kind of their calling card all season long when you see a highlight from SMU at you know 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. I think it's going to be... Tanner Mordecai throwing bombs to a loaded wide receiver core. Speaking of Mordecai, great year in 2021, 3,600 yards through the air. Kamar Wheaton transfers in from Alabama. He's going to be their lead running back. I've heard very, very good things from him in fall camp. He looks like an absolute stud. Now they do lose their bell cow from last season, Ulysses Bennett, the fourth, who goes to Ole Miss. But that being said, I think this offense has the, the stable of running backs to at least mitigate that loss. And, and if Mordecai can sling it like he did last year, this is for sure going to be a team that you can't, uh, you, you can't take unseriously, right? Uh, they also got wide receivers galore from the portal. Garrett, they had four transfers from the University of Texas. It was just like everyone kind of raised their hand and said, all right, we're going to SMU. Hey, there's an Austin to Dallas pipeline there. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. So, you know, guys that, that the University of Texas really was was kind of excited about in a year, maybe two years' time, now here in Dallas. So I, I'm interested to see how quickly they develop. Seven returners back on this defensive unit, but I will say, if there's one question mark, it's about uh, this defense, right? Defense gave up 31 points per game last year, and at times literally couldn't stop a nosebleed. It was mm-hmm. it was like cheesecloth getting through this SMU defense. Not good. Uh, that looks like it is probably the final piece before SMU challenges for the American throne. But I will say, with Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati leading for the Big 12 next season, SMU has it all to play for. They are truly the team that I think is going to ascend to that number one spot in this conference, unless like the Pac-12 poaches them, which there have been some rumors about that. I don't know if that's actually you know substantiated or not. But this year, to me, year one with Rhett Lashley, Big season for the Mustangs to kind of prove, hey, we are going to be the ones to beat come 2023. And, you know, we've mentioned this. We are now SMU season ticket holders uh, oh, yeah. because of proximity. Really fun home schedule, dude. I'm I'm excited about getting to go to these games. TCU, Houston, Cincinnati all come here to Dallas. 
Now, they do have some really tough road games. They go to Maryland. They go to UCF as early landmines. I've got them at eight and four more than likely. I will say if they find a way to get to nine wins, fantastic year one under Rhett Lashley. But regardless, Mustangs are going to be fun to watch. Oh, yeah, no. Nine wins would be a huge step in the right direction, I think, for this team um, in year one. Look, the you broke it down great. The defense, really the issue is the passing defense. They were yeah. fine in rushing defense, but passing defense, they finished 124th in the nation in yeah. terms of passing really yards bad. given up. That's, that's <laughs> atrocious. I'm sorry. That's just got to be better. Really, really, I understand, really bad. Like, they played some good teams, but <laughs> 124th, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that's... So if you want to go see some fireworks, SMU might be the place to be. It might just be a little bit of a seven-on-seven seven, slinging the ball sure. all around the field, but – um, fun part is for SMU, you're also going to be slinging the ball around the field. And I think Kamar Wheaton is going to end up being one of the stars of the show by the time the season's over. He's too talented to not have on the field. Yeah. When you're a guy who got, you know, priority to Bama and then it just doesn't work out, you've got plenty of talent. So, you know, I think it'll be fun to watch him. Um, obviously that's why we bought season tickets is because it's going to be a fun exactly. team to watch. There's going to be a lot of those games going to be hard to not go to. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun to watch this team this year. I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that they can get to nine. Nine would be big for them. Yeah. Um, I could see eight and four. I could see seven and five. I don't think the schedule should be the measure of success for SMU this year. Totally, totally agree. ECU, Memphis, Tulsa. Let's move through these relatively quickly. Up in Greenville, I tell you what, they've got a major swag factor going on. Mike Houston's back as the head coach. Pirates won seven games last year after winning seven games in the previous two seasons combined. And Garrett, they were tantalizingly close to nine wins. They were two one-score losses to South Carolina and Appalachian State. It was like a late pick six, I think maybe in the last two minutes. That, that gave was heartbreaking. South Carolina that, just, that win. Uh, yeah. So very, very close to the Pirates, you know, kind of being one of those, those noisemakers in the American uh, Holton Ayers is back at quarterback, so as much of his skill, talent in the backfield, not wide. <laughs> that being said, he's got to have time to throw the ball. The line, a hundred percent, the concern here. They allowed thirty-five sacks last year, and most of those guys are back. So, could be addition by addition. Could be you know wishing for some addition by subtraction. Hopefully, another year in the program shores that up. But that for sure is what could hold the Pirates back defensively they improved last year and returned most of the veterans especially at linebacking core it's a brutal non-conference schedule for them though it brings nc state to town in the opener and then they go to provo later in the year so you got to think those might be two just absolute beatings to start the season yeah i can see them ripping through the middle part of their conference schedule and winning six in a row but listen to this finishing stretch they end with UCF at home at BYU at Cincinnati versus Houston and then Temple on senior day. They literally get the upper echelon of the conference back to back to back. Uh, Like you said with SMU, the final record, maybe not the indicator of success because, oh my goodness, November could be just a terribly painful month up in Greenville. Yeah, there's going to be a couple of games I think you're going to be just saying, well, thanks for playing. Um, it's it's tough, man. I mean, and look, last year, a lot of just tough losses. You lose, you know, several games by just one score. Um, 
it, you would think with that, you would be able to turn that around, right? Losing by three, losing by seven, things like that. You could turn that around year to year, but yeah, man, just NC state. I mean, I'm, I guess you're glad you get home. Yeah. <laughs> right, I mean, right. At least you're not on the road. Yeah. You don't want to go to NC state, but I don't know. It's just, that's tough for ECU. Um, they'll be an all uniform team. At least oh, I like their love uniforms. Their, so. Love their threads. Yeah. They've yeah, got some nothing but love for ECU just going to be a little bit tough to watch some of these games this year. But like you were saying, you shouldn't be looking at the record to indicate success this year. There's a lot of things you can do to take steps forward so that in future years, yeah. when the schedule's nicer to you, then things will end up being better. So I, I yeah. tell you what, I'd love to see a really, really good ECU team. Greenville, fantastic city, lot to do there. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Like you said, great uniforms. They seem like they're picking up kind of this swagger, not only just in football, but you know, their baseball team. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. When their baseball team is just really good, like they've been the last several years, it's yeah. fun to watch what happens in Greenville. Yeah, some some really good times out there. So rooting for the Pirates. Uh, down in Memphis, another fun time city. Former Denton Ryan Raider quarterback, Seth Hennigan, guy that we're very familiar with. He's tasked with improving a 6-6 six and six Tigers team from last season. Now it's going to be difficult because they've got basically a whole new staff, two new coordinators coming in. Hennigan threw for 3,200 yards and 25 touchdowns, but a lot unproven at the skill position. They just don't have the, the guys out wide that they did a season ago. The defense is going to have to really take the lead this year if the the Tigers want to make a bowl game or even have a winning record. They do have four key returners, including experience in the secondary and at linebacker, but the defensive line, it's it's going to have to be plug and play. They they need some new guys up front. They lost a lot from that uh, that front seven a season ago. Uh, they lost four games by one score last season, so maybe that starts to correct itself in 2022, but... Like I said, with that defense taking a step up, they were one of the worst teams in the country at getting off the field on third down. So that absolutely has to be corrected if they want some of those statistical anomalies to start swinging in your favor. They've got a tough stretch in the middle where they catch Houston, ECU, and UCF in the span of four games. They do have the bye before Central Florida, but gosh, right in kind of the dog days of your schedule, uh, it, it has me concerned about the Memphis Tigers. Last team in this pod is Tulsa, the Golden Hurricane. Tulsa won uh, their last four to finish seven and six last season, which really elevated kind of the the overall feel of the season for Philip Montgomery and staff. This year, though, I looked at the schedule and it's going to be really tough to make it to the postseason. They only returned nine starters of 22 from a season ago. Now, thankfully, one of those is quarterback Davis Brin. Uh, he showed a lot of talent last year, 32 yards through the air, 32 yards, 3,200 yards through the air. Big discrepancy. 32 is not very good. <laughs> I think Maybe I on get, one play, but yeah, <laughs> for the whole I season. I think 32 yards in 12 games. Uh, the backs, experienced, wide receivers, talented, but know this, they've got to rebuild the entire offensive line. Uh, unfortunately, our Dallas Cowboys drafted their best, quote-unquote, offensive lineman in Tyler Smith. Uh. He also led the NCAA in penalties last season. Don't know that I'm ready to talk about that. Uh. Yeah, take that for, for what you will. Um, but uh, they only have two starters back on the offensive line, and basically those positions even are unknown. They could you know, shift to different guard spot, different tackle spot, what have you. They've got to rebuild the big uglies up front. Defense, maybe even a worse rotation. They've got to basically have an entire line change after losing – Nearly everyone, including their middle linebacker and captain from last season, 
Jackson player. He's now gone to Baylor. Their schedule, man, straight up sucks. It is a brutal schedule for Tulsa. Wyoming, Northern Illinois, and Ole Miss are your non-conference games. I can very easily see you going one and two there, uh, especially because Northern Illinois should throw the ball all over the lot. They go to Navy, to Memphis, to Houston, and oh, by the way, Cincinnati, right in between Ole Miss and Navy. Mm. I, I just, I don't, I, I was reading a number of, of previews and publications in, in preparation for this dude. I don't see how Tulsa gets to a bowl game this year. No, and they play SMU as well. That's yeah. uh, that's just tough. All I'm thinking about right now is how we should have drafted Nicobe Dean, but um, that's just a whole other <laughs> story. Garrett's, yeah, Garrett's t- off the NFL land now. T- yeah, sorry about it. Tough year for Tulsa, probably coming up ahead. Yeah, that non-conference is just brutal. And, yeah. you know, you're going to have to be better on both sides of the ball if you're yeah. going to want to win that. It's just, yeah. They also, a big stat for me when I was looking at this, turnover margin, 104th nationally. Not good. You got you to gotta take care of the ball. Yeah, I'm sorry, you just got to take care of the ball. Take, winning football is taking care of the ball and forcing turnovers defensively. They did neither of those they two. They did not do that, no. Last year, so it was kind of a miracle that they won four in a row, including It, it their seems game. like last year they overachieved, and we both probably think there's going to be a correction for that this year. So Probably. probably, probably. Thanks for hanging out, Tulsa. All right, the there is always next year group where, listen, I'm not dogging these teams. I'm just trying to be realistic. And and there are teams in here like Tulsa and even Navy that I think I'm, well, heck, I, even Temple and South Florida, the, the four teams, Tulane, Navy, Temple, South Florida, last four teams to get through. I'm kind of hopeful for all these teams. Now this year, 2022, probably not it. So uh, I, I've got quick hitters for all four teams. Give me your thoughts when when I get through this for Tulane. Maybe I'm being harsh on the green wave, but they had their worst campaign in years in 2021. Michael Pratt is back at quarterback, and he's supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the American, but last year didn't happen. Went 2-10. They need proven skill position players. They're rebuilding the entire offensive line. Uh, They do have a lot of incoming transfers, but their schedule, you catch UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston – Plus, yep. Kansas State and Southern Miss are on your non-conference schedule. See you in 2023. That's, that's Not, a lot of losses. I, literally, I, I sat there. I looked at the, the prediction chart. I, I mapped out every single game. I could not get them more than three wins this season. Yeah. The Navy, the Navy midshipmen lost the ability to, to reliably move the chains the last two years, which, of course, if you pay attention to service academy football that's how they win is running the option and moving the ball consistently couldn't do that the last two years less than four yards per carry which for an option offense is literal death uh the defense filling in positions all over the place they do have six veterans that return uh, including their linebacking core i think three of those six are, are linebackers so some hope there for navy but Again, I can't get them to a bowl game. I, I saw a Athlon Sports. No. Go read Athlon Sports preview of Navy. They've got them making a bowl game. And I without without a a you know guy, a quarterback that we know his ceiling, without any certainty on either side of the offensive or defensive line, they end with Cincinnati, Notre Dame, UCF, and then Army. Yep. I mean, if your schedule isn't already bowl secured, you're not going to the postseason. No, lo- lots of Patriots over there at uh, Athlon. Look, my yeah. grandfather served in the Navy. Um, that's wonderful. Loot the that troops. Doesn't really, that doesn't yeah. change anything about the football field. Sorry about it. No, <laughs> I, 
I just can't oh, see how Ken Niamanololo gets his team to the postseason. Would love it. No. Again, always rooting for Navy. Always rooting, rooting for him, for but yeah. Academy, but not this year. Uh, Temple, former Longhorns running back coach Stan Drayton is their new head coach. He's trying to rebuild the program. They flashed a lot of talent, but they only have four wins in the last two seasons. So if you're looking for positivity for the Owls, it's your quarterback, former Georgia transfer Dwayne Mathis. He's got a host of transfers who are looking to reboot their careers in Temple. Uh, now, they've got to improve on 16 points per game. That is horrendous offensively. And then their defense nearly gave up, well, they did give up, over double that. They were giving up almost 40 points per game in 2021. So you do some quick math, that's how you get to 2-10. and 10. More than one conference oh, yeah. win this season would be a market improvement. And then finally, South Florida. I, now, listen. I kind of love the vibe that they have down in Tampa. I'm rooting for Jeff Scott. I'm rooting for the Bulls. If you want to take me back to 2007, bring it. I would love to have USF suddenly. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that would like 2007 to happen again. That's that's right. Shout out Kansas. Um, they do have 18 <laughs> starters back this season. So continuity is achievable, but they've they've only won three games in the first two years of Scott's tenure. So we, we got to start picking up some W's. Otherwise, there's going to be another uh, another coaching change. Their schedule, not for the faint of heart. BYU, Florida, and Louisville are their non-conference uh, schedule. Plus, they catch the big three from the American. I mean, Cincinnati, yep. Houston, UCF are just wrecking these, these lower-rung team schedules. I can't really find even four wins. It for just the Bulls. feels like six automatic losses right there, it, it, and not not particularly close ones. The kinds yeah. of losses that demoralize a locker room. So, right. Well, it, for you. I'll say this: I know we have uh, an audience in Florida. I know we have at least one USF Bulls fan that listens. So, my friend, if you're looking for positivity, you do have a very good quarterback who will start for you in yes. Gary Bohannon. Transfers over from Baylor. Literally won a Big Twelve championship game last or championship last year. I know he didn't play in the game, Blake. Shaker, yeah, yeah. But he did all the legwork. So love your quarterback. Um, I, I'm 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 gonna need you to find a way to put up points. Just just find yeah. ways to score the football and get into the end zone. The defense is entirely resetting this year, so I don't think you're gonna be able to stop anybody. So kind of the SMU model. You might need to score seventy to win yeah. most games. Um, so hey. Let's make it happen. Let's let's make USF football fun again. Uh, I'm I'm really yeah, prove really us excited. wrong. That's right. right. Prove us Bring wrong. Bring it. Bring it. And then tweet at me, Three Tech Pod, and I will absolutely own it. Conference championship. Before we move to the Sun Belt, I've got Houston over UCF. I know that Cincinnati fans may be griping about that, uh, but I I think they take just just a tiny step backwards this year, and we have the Cougars and the Knights uh, going forward in the AAC. But, Agree, disagree. Where where Nailed do you it. think? Perfect. Love, yeah, love, Houston, love to hear it. Much better, I think, than anyone else in the conference. Yeah, uh, they're going to run the tables, and we might be talking about them at the beginning of December. So sure. we'll see. All right. Well, to the Sun Belt, and this is where. So uh, this was Trey's assignment. Obviously, he's sick, so we're taking this over for him. Want this to be very conversational jaunt through the Fun Belt, which. You and I love watching Fun Belt football. I think everyone around the country is realizing, even if we go to this mega conference league and regional love for the game kind of gets thrown out the window, it's conferences like the Sun Belt that can keep that alive and that I will absolutely tune into on a Thursday night, on a Friday night, on a Saturday morning 
to see what App State and Coastal are doing because they're so yeah. much fun to watch. So it's, it's the conference where when your team's not playing, if you don't care about any of the other teams that are on in that time slot, you probably put it on. Amen. Amen. Totally agree. Now, the fun thing about the Sun Belt is not only do they have really good competition right now, they're adding new members this season. Marshall, Old Dominion, James Madison, and Southern Miss. Yes, James all, Madison. Let's go. <laughs> all told, three of them and then James Madison all told their respective conferences, hey, thank you. We're going to the Fun Belt, and I absolutely love it. So, Absolutely. Sun Belt East, best division in the group of five, yes? Sure, why not? I, I so much yeah, so much fun it. to be had. You've got App State, Coastal, Louisiana, Marshall, uh, all all in the the Sun Belt East. So, and James Madison, and, and now James Madison. Exactly. <laughs> where, where do you want to start here as we walk through the Sun Belt? I mean, it, it seems like App State might be a good place to start. Yeah, I think App State's the place, man. They're they're fantastic. Got a great quarterback. Um, you know, Chase That's Bryce. True. He's going to be great. Yeah, he's been um, there since 2009. It feels like. Yeah, no, he's he's got yeah he's been in college longer than I was in college. So right. um, no, he, he's <laughs> he's a, he's going to be good though. He's going to be fantastic. So you know they're going to have some good stuff on offense. I think um, I think really it's just the turnover on defense that's going to scare a lot of people. I think yep. they're replacing like six guys on their defense. Yep. Um, and so that's a tough thing. Pair that with UNC and A and M back to back to start off your season. You know that's. <laughs> Not something you want to get the ball rolling, but I think they'll have a good time in conference. I, I do too. I, I I think out of all the teams this year, I feel probably the most confident about App State winning that. Their over-under is eight and a half um, and just edging out Coastal, who's got eight wins right now, according to Bet Online. Again, not a sponsor, could be. Um, <laughs> I think for what App State does, they're going to want to run the football this season. They've got a very veteran offensive line. So I think in conference, they're going to be able to dominate in the trenches. I do wonder, you know, Chase Bryce, look, last season taking over at quarterback, not many people really had any confidence after not being able to, to uh, he went from Clemson to Duke and then to App State through a million picks at Duke. Limited that last season. So if he can take care of the football again, I do think they're going to dominate. My my question for them is that defensive line and the in the turnover, like you mentioned on defense, they're having to replace six starters from last season. So how quickly does that defense come together? I think the non-conference, it's a tough year to be shuffling defense in and out. Like you said, yep. UNC and Texas AM to start the season. Could be Not 0 fun. and 2. Could be 0 and 2 for Ab they're, they're gonna start 0 and 2, and then it's gonna get a lot more fun. So you know, just if you're an App State fan, close your eyes, you know, count to two weeks and then, you know, <laughs> pay attention there. You say, hey, we're starting the season with Troy. How about that? See you in week three. Coastal, week three. Coastal Carolina, Teal Field, the Teal Boys. What, what uh, do you like most about them? What what gets you excited about Coastal Carolina football this year? I mean, is it the mullets? Is it the turf? I mean, what what is it that excites you about Coastal? No, it's probably Grayson McCall. I mean, he's best quarterback in the conference, right? Uh, yeah. you'd have to think so I'll right he's so. gonna be probably you know a mid to late round draft pick but gonna be well liked by whoever ends up picking him up probably a really good backup yeah. uh, in the nfl he's solid he led the nation in qbr last year so uh look he's gonna be fine this is kind of the same story as app state they're gonna score points i don't think they're gonna stand up defensively i think they have a better defense than what app state has but i just i don't think they're gonna stand up defensively Mm-hmm. Uh, to a lot of the better teams on their schedule. 
Listen, defense, not necessarily a prerequisite for playing in the Sun Belt. Uh, just score as many points as you it's can. It's optional. And, and look, I some of these towns, man, like Conway, sign me oh, yeah. up. Sign me up. I love the vibe that these Sun Belt teams bring. Um, 11, 11 wins a season ago, obviously the high water mark for the program. I think it's going to be tough to match that this season. It just seems like statistically there's bound to be some sort of regression, especially considering all the offensive production that they're having to replace Isaiah likely gone to the NFL. He was a gigantic part of that, yep. that pass offense a season ago. It felt like nobody in conference could guard him. So uh, some questions for the Chanticleer offense, but I do think you know, finishing second, finishing third in the conference, not, not out of the realm of possibility. In fact, I would, I would really right. expect that to happen. Uh, Louisiana raging Cajuns replacing a head coach, but they're over under according to Vegas. Eight and a half. Raging Cajuns have a little bit of smoke behind them. Uh, apparently, yeah. Um, I think they're going to, I think they are currently undervaluing losing Napier. I think that they're going to take a little bit of a step backwards, at least yeah. more than what Vegas thinks. Eight and a half is aggressive. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think they're going to change very much in terms of schematically. Um, I think they're going to just try to keep that going. But you lost the guy who's calling the plays, right? Um, there's some turnover, you know. Offensive Levi line Lewis probably is going to be the issue as yep. well. So yep. I'm, I think there's just a lot of question marks right now. And when you have lots of question marks and you're not bringing back a coaching staff, that's where I start to raise the alarm a little bit. Sure. The, the defensive line, I will say, in in favor of the Raging Cajuns, nine ten deep, uh, according yeah, to they're Trace very good Note. defensively. Yeah, very very heavy rotation on that defensive line. So now they're going to have to get to the passer. Secondary is very inexperienced. So as long as you can harass the quarterback, get him out of his element, I think they're going to have a lot of success. They've got a really soft schedule opening. They don't play Marshall until mid-October, and that's kind of their first true test. They avoid all the other contenders uh, in in the conference, and then they have a, a, a Power 5 matchup in Florida State in November, but that's it. Uh, so a very, very soft schedule. I think Louisiana could could certainly make some noise uh, in in the conference and maybe even be the conference champion. Yeah, I mean it's they're going to play well defensively, which is going to help with the softer schedule. They finished eleventh in scoring defense last year, which kind of I would be a little bit shocked by that. Yeah, um, and I was kind of surprised to see that, but I don't think they're quite that high this year. You know, it, I just think this is a team that probably loses games they shouldn't just because they don't mm-hmm. have the culture, they don't have the locker room like they had, and I think it ends up. Being a step backwards, you know, eight and a half is an aggressive line. I could see maybe seven and five and, you know, kind of finishing middle of the pack. I think I'm definitely more bullish on them than that, but losing a lot of transfers to Florida, uh, other SEC programs, LSU, they they did lose uh, a big chunk uh, of that team. This is just a new program, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, not, Not starting from square one necessarily, but losing Napier, Hurts and you know I love that he coached the bowl game before he went to Florida. Truly tying a bow on his yeah, good on his career at Louisiana. I hate it when coaches. You know and I I, I kind of understand it, but I hate it when like Brian Kelly, you just literally leave like in the middle of the night. Lincoln yeah. Riley just or gone. like seven fifteen a.m. or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he calls just, the guys in for a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah. Billy Napier is a good guy. He's leaving behind well wishes certainly, but leaving behind a lot, and he took a bunch with him too. So right. yeah, we'll see. Last front runner for the conference is Marshall. Uh, now, this would be a team that that needs to overachieve a little bit to to truly contend for the conference championship. But they're 
they're interesting, right? First year in the Sun Belt. They've succeeded everywhere they've been. They do bring Henry uh, Columby over from Texas Tech, started his career at Utah State, follows Matt Wells to, to Lubbock. Wells gets yep. fired, and Henry says, all right, well, we'll, we'll see him going east. So he's the guy who's going to replace Grant Wells at quarterback after Grant Wells transferred for, to Virginia Tech. Uh, Rasheen Alley. The guy that if you do not know his name right now, you need to because he's probably the best running back in the entire conference and one of the best running backs in the country. Ran for 1,400 yards a season to go, 23 touchdowns. Uh, he's going to be the guy that Marshall really looks to lean on for that thundering herd to, to move the chains and put, put points on the board. Their defense looks pretty strong in terms of returning production, but... The East is the tougher division by far. Uh, not to say that the, the Sun Belt West is uh, non-competitive, but if you want to play the big boys in the conference, you're playing in the East. So we'll yeah. see how Marshall weathers that. Again, transition time over to a new conference, installing a new quarterback. Look for them to, to really lean, I think, on Ollie and, uh, and, and see where they go. I, I could see seven wins on this schedule. I could see eight wins if they start to overachieve. But – Beyond that, I think I think we're going to have to build a little bit of momentum in the Sun Belt. Uh, midfield for this conference, Arkansas State, Georgia State, James Madison, shout out former FCS legend, right, that's Troy, my <laughs> round out that midfield program. And you notice, <laughs> you notice that these teams are not necessarily expected to have amazing seasons by their betting lines. Arkansas State, for instance, plus 3,500 with Jones at the helm to win the Sun Belt. Um, now, Trey, I wish Trey was here to defend this because he said he likes them winning seven to eight games. Uh, and his his notes say this. The West is wide open. Butch Jones had a rough 2-10 ten debut, but they avoid Coastal, App, and Marshall all from the East. So they do have a little bit of an easier schedule. They bring in James Blackman, uh, former Florida State starter to start at quarterback, which I think is 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 a big time plus. The offense, he says, could be pretty fun and jump up to get some teams, but they need to find a consistent running game and replace their leading receiver from a season ago. Now, I ask you this: Does Butch Jones at the helm of your program give you any kind of confidence? <laughs> um, well, he hasn't coached at a Tennessee for a while, so I wouldn't say so. Um, I mean. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be two and 10. I think they're going to be better just because James Blackman's going to be steering them the right direction, but gotta stay healthy. I, you got to stay healthy. Yeah. But I just, I don't, yeah, I wish Trey was here to talk about why he thinks seven <laughs> or eight. I mean, yes, they don't play coastal. They don't play apps. They don't play Marshall. That's great. Um, but they do play like other football teams. And so like, <laughs> there's going to be people in different colored jerseys trying to stop them from scoring points. So I don't know. It, I don't think it's two and 10 to be clear, but I could see like four or five wins. Maybe yeah. that, that makes sense to me. Uh, they get Ohio state on the road week two. They play Memphis week three. Nope. <laughs> tough, you know, tough middle stretch, James Madison, Southern Miss, Louisiana. I, I, they've got to make their hay late. They play South Alabama, UMass, Texas state, Troy. I think, if they're going to get to a bowl game, they've got to sweep kind of that last four. I, four yeah, they could do three out of four of those. Maybe that could be yeah. doable. I just, yeah, I think it's the big thing about it too is momentum. They're going to lose so much early that, yeah, it's going to be going to be tough to regain that confidence. Yeah. Now, a team that 
a lot of people are high on is Georgia State. They're yeah. over under. Actually, it's seven and a half this season. Sean Elliott, their head coach, has gotten them to, to a bowl for the last five years, and he went seven and one after a brutal start to the schedule. One and four was the start to their 2021 season. They run the heck out of the ball. They're not going to wow you through the air. They do just enough passing <laughs> to get by and keep you off balance. Um, basically, it's a team that's going to be carried, though, by their defense. And specifically, they've got a veteran linebacker core. I do. I, I think Georgia State is a plucky team. Now, again, they're they're over there in the east. So South Carolina, North Carolina to open up mm. the schedule. Uh, and then they play Coastal in week four. They've got Army week five. So it's it's a tough it's a tough opening to the schedule. That being said, if they can find wins against Charlotte, against Army, against Georgia Southern, you got three right there. Old Dominion, I'm not very high on. So four, UL Monroe, five. And then if they beat one of James Madison or Marshall, you can get to a bowl game. So I can see the postseason. Um, it sucks being in the East. I'm not going to lie. It really, yeah, really no. sucks being in the East. That's tough. And they just play all the wrong Carolinas. You know, they play the South one and the North one and the coastal one. It's just all the wrong Carolinas. You don't want to play any of them. That's right. But yeah. That's right. We'll, we'll see how they do. Not a whole lot to break down. It'll just kind of be interesting to see if they can make it back to a bowl game. I think they sure. probably do, but I just, I don't think it's going to be a particularly fun year in terms of where they yeah. go with this. Now I'm, I'm excited about James Madison. I think you oh, are yes. too. Now they, they are not eligible for the postseason, these first two years, NCAA, Ooh. yeah, really, really dumb rule that you have to. I believe another it's another dumb rule from the NCAA. Not in, like this is their exclusive rule. They're very text, dumb in lots of ways. Yeah, in a textbook of of head scratching rules, this is this is another one. They only play eleven games this year, um, so even if they you know could make it to a bowl, that would be that would be interesting. Um, right. I'm I'm so excited to see how this transition goes. I mean, they're a national championship caliber program at the FCS level. I'm curious to see how long it takes for them to adjust at the FBS level. So certainly eyes on uh, the Dukes football program this year. I, I don't really know if I lean one way or the other on their over-under at six and a half, but I think this is a wait-and-see moment for them I, I think you know dip your toe in the water let's see how it goes and, and then let's continue to build what was a program that just straight up didn't used to exist at the fcs level i mean the, their story if you don't know the story of the james madison football program go go watch it um there are several clips yeah. on on youtube and whatnot very very fun story yeah they're they're gonna be fun to watch it's gonna be a fun team to keep up with uh isaac Gukus, he's a dog at defensive end so he's yeah. gonna be a lot of fun to watch as well there's gonna be some highlights you're gonna want to watch some of their games yeah. don't judge them off of this year for troy last team in the midfield their offense has got to get better they were so bad a season ago um not the team that's going to go into death valley and upset lsu this year they've really struggled since neil brown left and went to west virginia um, their defense actually was okay last year from a scoring perspective, but I just couldn't stop anybody in the top third of the league, which, I mean, hey, makes sense. They've got tough non-conference games against Ole Miss and Miami, so I don't know that they're a team that is going to surprise you on one Saturday in October, but maybe maybe they can get to a bowl game. It's it's going to be interesting. The, the mid to lower tier of the Sun Belt. I think they're all very, very similar in, in how they've got holes to plug, um, which brings us to the always next year group, Georgia yeah. Southern, Old Dominion, South Alabama, Southern Miss, 
Texas State and UL Monroe. Do, do you have a do you have a team that you just kind of like in in this group? Like where where should we where should we start here in these quick hitters? I mean, out of this group, the one that I think has the best chance of doing anything is probably Texas State. Um, not a lot going on great at that program, so we're kind of just looking for stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. Spavadol, he's certainly a capable coach. You know, he's coaching for his job, which is probably going to help because, you know, you tend to perform better when it's on the line. So um, maybe you could see something with them. And I love the environment there at Texas yeah. State. I just love kind of what they have going on. So you could see something there. But, yeah, just you look up and down this group of teams. Not a whole lot to get excited about, if we're being honest. Now, I've got friends that work in the football program at Texas State, so uh, you guys know who you are. Shout out you. Um, I'm hoping that they can turn it around. The, the concern for me is just getting all these transfers to gel. It's an, it's a strategy, yeah. an intentional strategy that Spavadol is taking, but at the same time signing two high schoolers. Um, I don't, I don't love that. So I, I mean, you mean you'd want more people coming in as young kids than just two. I want more darts to throw at the board. They couldn't just... find a third guy that plays high school football. You're like, come on in here. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, old dominion is a team that I'm interested in. Ricky Ronnie, uh, shocked the world last year, somehow made a bowl game. I don't think they're doing that this year. They, they turn the ball over like it was going out of style last season. Yeah. Uh, Georgia Southern. Hey, you're bringing in Clay Helton. So that's interesting. We'll see what happens. I don't think it's going to do anything for you year one, but I'm. But I'll, they're I'll doing watch. it. Yeah. Well, they're, they're going to move. They're, they're probably going to move away from the option. Sure. Uh, I'm interested to see what Clay Helton does for an offensive identity down there. They. But yeah, I, there's just uh, you talk about build, rebuilding a program, kind of like what Jeff Collins was doing at Georgia Tech. When you switch from the option to whatever, anything else. Woo. Yeah, I think there's some growing pains. I'm just most curious to see how he looks in a Georgia Southern polo. I think that's just kind of the. <laughs> I mean, there's not a whole lot of excitement there for me personally. He he's an interesting guy, but yeah. Plus, plus 8,000 if you're looking for a value pick on the conference winner, um, which I'm not, not financial advice. So mo- moving on. Um, oh, that's rough. South Alabama, they're going to need to find some explosive playmakers. They lost Jalen Tolbert from a season ago. Um, I-, I will say the West wide open behind Louisiana. I mean, the-, the Raging Cajuns are no doubt the favorite to win that side. South Alabama, there was a thought that they could challenge with Jake Bentley. Did, didn't happen. Um, so I'm curious to see how they find ways to replace some of that explosive playmaking ability and, and who their new quarterback is, right? I mean, you've yeah. got to find kind of a franchise signal caller if you're going to rise up and, you know, listen, Louisiana is the cream of the crop in the, in the Sunbelt West. You need offensive firepower to knock them off. Yeah, there's wins to be had there. I'm not sure that South Alabama gets them all, but there's wins to be had on that side. And I think that they just have to be a lot more efficient offensively. They're just not efficient. They don't do well in the red zone. They don't do well, you know, converting on third downs. They're just going to have to be a lot better. Southern Miss, uh, they're a team that really is looking for continuity. Famously, Jay Hobson resigned after one game last season. So, You know, Southern Miss moving over, I, I think there's a lot to build on. It's a fun program with some cool resources. Uh, Frank Gore Jr., who doesn't love him? Uh, so I'm excited to see him tote the rock again, but I, I do need to 
probably pump the brakes on any sort of Southern Miss optimism. I think it's going to take yeah. a couple of years. They're in the West, so they should be, uh, you know, fine from a scheduling perspective. But I just think it's it's a program that kind of lost the winning ways. Uh, COVID yeah. really seemed to throw them off. So, um, you know, let's let's you know just take our time putting in the drywall. Let's you know not scrimp on the cornerstones here. <laughs> let's, let's make sure we got all the yeah. angles right. All the support when, beams are there. This year too, they start with Liberty and Miami. That's not fun. fun. That's, that's just <laughs> that didn't, that's not didn't what Frank, you want. Didn't Frank Gore play for Miami? So in in junior playing his dad's alma mater. I believe so. That'll be kind of fun. I think I'm right with that. Um, so an interesting storyline. We'll see what his dad's wearing on the sidelines. Oh, if it's not Southern Miss gear, uh, he's he's <laughs> probably got his priorities kid. in the wrong Come spot. On. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final team, UL Monroe. Listen, Terry Bowden. Uh, for an old guy, he's got all the swag, but this team stinks. They're going to get blasted by Texas and then Alabama. So take for that what you will, UL Monroe fans. Um, why you keep scheduling the top teams in the country, I don't know. I guess the checks that, that come over from those athletic departments make the pain worth it. But holy cow, so. guys, Like, let's win a game or two this year. Uh, well, and they're going to need those checks to replace the shirts that they keep ripping off of guys so Terry Bowden can wipe his face on TikTok. But, you amazing know, TikTok. Amazing that was fantastic. TikTok. I love that trend on TikTok. Um, but yeah, I guess that money will make it a little easier to make TikToks or something. <laughs> <laughs> Trey's pick for the conference, Coastal over Louisiana. I'm going to say Appala- uh, Appalachian State over Louisiana if I'm picking myself. Um, don't know where you fall on this. <sighs> Yeah, man, I think I'm going to go ahead and lean Coastal here, Um, but it is a lean. I think it's just going to come down to who has the more explosive offense, and I think I'm going to trust Coastal to have the more explosive offense there. I think they have a a few more difference makers, and I I think I could see that there. But whoever wins between Coastal and App State, I think, is going to win the conference. So Fair enough. All right, my friend. Well, that was a whole lot of teams to break down. Uh, Notre Dame and two entire conferences in just over an hour. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Let's do it again Thursday. Whole bunch of fun. Excited (laughs) for the next one. That's right. We've got BYU, the Mountain West, and Conference USA coming up. Again, if you are a Maction fan, which I think we all are, uh, stay tuned. Friday, we'll have a guest episode. We'll preview the Mac and uh, talk all things Tuesday night chaos uh, to, to get your football fixed. And then oh, yeah. Garrett, we are we're fast approaching week zero. We're gonna have our season predictions show, our playoff prediction show. Oh yeah. And then we'll get into a week zero preview. Uh, that's all coming next week. We have made so it. Pumped. Talking season is over. I'm pumped as well. A lot of really, really cool things coming down the pike. Again, thank you guys so much for a thousand listens this early on. We're just blown away. Um, and thank you for all the support on social media as well. Again, if you do not follow the show or have not uh, left a rating or review on Apple or Spotify at three tech pod, please head over and drop a like, uh, drop a rating. It really helps us with the algorithm, continue to grow, continue to find new audiences. And it uh, just means the world, but for Garrett Turney, for Trey Reeves, who is recovering right now, I'm Mitch Mason until next time. So long, everybody. Everybody.